Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Selling Greenville, your favorite real estate podcast located right here in Greenville, South Carolina. I'm your host, as always, Stan McCune, and today we are going to be giving you a little market update. I haven't done one of these in a few months, uh, but I think it's time that we finally do one. But before we jump right into what's going on in the market here in the upstate, just a quick reminder. If you like the show, please go ahead and subscribe, give us a rating, give us a review, make sure that as many people uh, as uh, can possibly see it are able to see that people are actually listening to this, and we do get listens, believe it or not, you're not the only person, we get several listens every week, Um, and uh, I would just appreciate if you guys could go ahead and and rate or review it, and uh, my contact information, as always, is in the show notes, should you need to contact me for any reason, should you need to buy or sell a house, or know someone that uh, would like to buy or sell a house in the upstate of South Carolina, I would be more than happy to talk to any of you. Please let me know. All right, so we are going to be talking about the Greater Greenville Association of Realtors statistics that were recently released uh, for the month of August. They always release them uh, about the second week of the month to cover the statistics for the previous month. And I always need to warn that these statistics, even though they wait a couple of weeks to release them, oftentimes they will be updated uh, in in future months. So these are not always particularly for the previous months. So um, the year-to-date statistics can, can sometimes be the most helpful thing. Um, looking back a few months can be helpful. Sometimes the prior month, which in this case would be August, is not always the most accurate because sometimes they go back in and get better data and then update uh, you know, that month in future months. Uh, but for now, we're going to work with the statistics that we have, with the data that we have, and I think you're going to find some very interesting things uh, that have come about in recent months uh, since our last time that we did a market update. Um, so let's jump right in and discuss what is going on. We're going to start right at the top, the very first page uh, that kind of digs into the data in the GGAR market statistics is dealing with new listings. Now, uh, if you've been following this podcast at all, you know that we had a major dip in new listings that happened uh, during the worst part of covid uh, April and May and June were all down months here in terms of new listings, and that has really created a major supply problem, a major inventory problem. Um, but the good news is that in July, the listings went up year on year. July 2020 versus July 2019, it went up actually 2.2%. So we had a little bit of a rebound. Some of those sellers that maybe dropped out uh, in April, May, or June, came back in in July and kind of offset things a little bit. And so we had a little bit of an increase, but unfortunately, we went back down in August. We're back uh, down August 2020 versus 2019. Again, this might be uh, a little bit low. It's, it's hard to say because they might come in and change just later on as they get uh, better data. But at the moment, it's showing a dip 5.4%. Uh, August 2020 versus 2019. That could be from a lot of things. If I had to guess, I would guess it's probably driven a lot by people uh, 
changing uh, their lifestyles or not knowing how their lifestyles are going to change due to COVID impacting schools and due to different schools' responses to the coronavirus. So uh, that's my best guess as to what's happening there. Um, Now, uh, despite having... This is uh, where this information gets kind of interesting. Despite having all of these dips in new listings, we actually only have, on average, uh, for twenty for, for the past 12 months versus the previous 12 months prior to that, only a decrease in average listings of 1.5%. Um, so that's pretty tremendous considering May was down 24%, April was down 17%. The fact that we only have a 1.5% dip uh, is kind of surprising. Again, this, that's on average for the past 12 months versus the previous 12 months uh, prior to that. Um, now, I would just like to mention that up basically since, what, 2012, uh, we've seen an increase in listings every year. And that should happen because as we grow as a community, as there's more homes being built and whatnot, uh, more people are moving here. We should see more listings every year. So it's not good that there is a decrease in listings of 1.5%. There should, we should see every year that listings continue to go up. Um, but I just found it interesting that despite the dramatic decrease in the spring, which is normally our busy season around here, uh, we still haven't had as much of a decrease as you might expect. However... This is where we run into issues with inventory because we have had a decrease uh, for the past 12 months. But when you look at the average pending sales over the past 12 months, those are up 0.7%. So uh, pending sales is defined as a count of properties on which offers have been accepted in a given month. So those are up 0.7%. And more significantly, closed sales on average for the past 12 months are up 6.9%. So here we have fewer listings on average, 1.5% fewer, but almost 7% more closed sales and then 0.7% higher uh, rate of pending sales. And so this is what is really driving the market right now because this is what I, I keep saying we have an issue with inventory which to state it another way um, we have a lot less supply than we have demand and that is borne out in the numbers here we have way more people looking to buy homes right now at least that's what it appears more people looking to buy than we have people trying to sell right now and that's creating uh, a problem that's creating a uh, kind of the worst form of seller's market, a seller's market not driven by so much by crazy demand, but a seller's market driven by very low supply. Um, as a realtor, I hate to see that. That means closings, uh, you know, for, for a lot of us are going to be lower this year, but that's just the way it is. And, uh, and we just all have to push through it. Now, what's interesting is when you look at the pending sales, we had... Uh, in May and June, they went up 
year on year. Actually, June for pending sales went up 21.7%. So what we what happened is we had kind of a bottleneck that the that COVID caused. And then once people kind of got more comfortable, uh, realized that it wasn't quite uh, as serious of, of a health issue for the majority of the population um, as was originally reported or originally thought for a lot of people. Uh, then they came back into the market. And so in June, we saw a big, despite a few months of pending sales going down in June, we saw a big 21.7% increase. Uh, but then in July, it went back down. Pending sales uh, went back down a little bit, 2.2% less year on year versus uh, 2019, June, July. Uh, and then I'm interested if this is an anomaly. I'm interested if this will hold up in future months. But August pending sales, according to the GGAR, was down 50.5% year-on-year, down in the levels that we normally see reserved for December. I'm not sure that I buy that. Um, I I think that they're going to come back in and that that's going to be changed uh, so that it's not nearly that dramatic of, uh, of a decrease, but we'll see. If that is the case, then that means we are in for a very, very slow fall season uh, of real estate. That means that we're going to have, uh, base, basically, that would indicate that a lot of buyers are dropping out, and not just the sellers. And honestly, I could see that. Um, that could 100% be the case uh, if we find that a lot of people are just deciding that they're not going to move in the fall, that there's too much uncertainty, too much uh, life change happening, and they drop out of the market altogether. Um, I'm hoping that's not the case. I- I'll be surprised if that's the case because I've seen usually these dramatic decreases that happen in GJR. Usually they end up getting changed in future months once they get better data. Um, but that's what we're seeing so far. Uh, but I will wait. I will <laughs> wait to see for sure what happens here next month. We'll see if, if they redact that. I'll believe it when I see it. Let me say it that way. Um, but, it, you know, here's the thing is at the end of the day, if that is the case, if we have that many buyers dropping out of the market, we're going to see a complete reversal in the market. We're going to see this shift it could shift very quickly from a seller's market to a buyer's market. Um, I don't expect that to happen again, but that could be what we're seeing if this data is accurate. And uh, uh, when we look at the inventory levels, so we I'm trying to pull up here, inventory, here we go, month supply of inventory, um, we do see an uptick in August. So it's very possible, again, this could be redacted, but we had from May through July, three months in a row, I've never seen this, um, in all of the data that we have in GJR going back to 2007, this has never happened. To have one month like this, but we had three straight of months with uh, inventory levels in the two Below three months, basically. It was 2.9 in May, 2.6 in June, 2.7 in July. That is, those are inventory levels that nobody wants to see. That means that uh, if basically, well, I'll just read what the GGR says. The inventory of homes for sale at the end of 
of a given month divided by the average monthly pending sales from the last 12 months. Maybe a simpler way of thinking about it is no homes uh, came on, on the market in July, no new homes. All the homes on the market in July, based on averages, would sell up in 2.7 months. That's a crazy, crazy seller's market. Uh, we like to see those numbers, to be honestly, uh, I would like to see them more in like the four and a half, maybe even five range. Uh, that's still a seller's market, but it's a lot better for the buyer. Um, you get up into six, seven, eight month range. That's what we would consider to be a buyer's market. Um, we haven't seen that it, it above six since, oh, what? 2015, I'm looking at the data here, 2014 uh, was the last time that we saw inventory levels in the six range. Uh, back in the recession, it peaked in 2011, uh, almost 14 months of inventory. So to give you a little bit of, of background, when we see levels in the 2.6, 2.7 range, that's unprecedented. That's that's not great. That's not, that's not something that any of us want to see, unless you're, of course, selling a home uh, and you're not looking to buy, then uh, then that's great. You know, this is this is the time. This has been the time to sell a home. However, they're reporting that August went back up to 3.4. So that's very uh, that's very interesting. Now, again, oftentimes these get redacted, and what I've found with the uh, with the months of inventory is that oftentimes future in future months they'll redact the older months to make them a little bit lower. But currently they're reporting that August uh, went to 3.4 months of inventory versus July at 2.7. Now, again, that's still low. That, that's extremely low. August of 2019 was 3.6. So we're still having major inventory shortages, but there's a possibility we may be seeing uh, a bit of a bounce back here that, again, is not the kind of bounce back that we want to see because it's a bounce back not driven by more supply now potentially by less demand um and so again it's possible that we may just be seeing the market just contracting here at the end of the year it's hard to know for sure we're still uh kind of weighing what's happening uh you know here in the fall this year for me my fall looks to be pretty busy but I know that it's not that way for everyone. So we'll just have to, to wait and see exactly what happens. Um, my hunch is that we're going to still see it to be pretty comparable to what we have had in the past few months. I think just based on what I've seen out there, I mean, most of my clients that I have, they don't even want to wear masks. They're not worried about COVID. I don't think that people are too concerned about COVID. I think what people are mostly worried about right now is the potential for career changes or for their careers to be impacted by COVID or what's happening with their schools. And schools are in this area, a lot of them are starting to make plans for kind of going back to normal. And uh, and we're starting, and, and I think that that's what we'll see. I think that in a few months, we'll start to see a lot more schools implementing more days in the classroom and maybe even full weeks in the classroom. And uh, and so as that happens, once people are more assured that they can just have their normal life back, I think that we'll see real estate 
uh, bounce back to more normal levels. But again, uh, it's a weird year, and we don't know exactly what's going to happen, so we'll have to wait and see. Um, so what does all this mean? What does all this information mean practically? Well, the first thing that stands out to me, and we've talked about this, when inventory levels are low, when you have more demand than you have supply, when you have more buyers than you have sellers, that drives the price up because it's a seller's market, and that is exactly what has happened. We have seen for the very first time, again, we're, we're just setting all kinds of records here in 2020, um, and again, this is good for sellers, bad for buyers. We're seeing for the very first time the median sales price for August broke the 240000 mark. So the median price being uh, the middle price, uh, basically, if, if you look at every single uh, transaction, every single closing, uh, you look at the middle price. Well, I'll just define it as GGR says, the point at which half of the sales sold more and half sold for less, not accounting for seller concessions. Again, so this doesn't account for closing costs that the seller might pay of the, of the buyer's closing costs. Uh, but basically, the middle number, you take all the closings, you just look at what's the number right in the middle, that got up to 240, and that's really even more accurate than the average sales price for determining kind of what the average is in this area. And what's crazy about that number is that that's up almost 10% versus August of 2019. That's the biggest increase uh that we've seen in a very long time. I don't remember the last time we, we had a uh, an increase year on year of nearly 10%. You'd probably have to go back to, oh man, I don't know. I, I, I'd have to analyze the data a little bit more because they don't make it very, it's, it's hard to read these graphs. Um, but uh, the, the main point is that August of 2020, up to 240, uh, for the median price point, and that's nearly a 10% increase versus August of 2019, which was 220. Um, so the prices are up, and that's also reflected in the average price as well. The average price went up to, if you're more of an average person, that went up to 290, which is a 13.6% increase versus August of 2019, which was 255. So that's obviously driven. What what's that big gap between the average and the median? With the median being two forty, the average being two ninety. Um, really, the main thing that's happening there is we're having a big increase on homes that are three hundred thousand dollars and above. And so, if you look at this data, it says that August of this year had an increase of twenty percent uh, on ver- year on year on houses priced at 300,000 and above. So that is causing the average price to go up. A 20% increase on on a 300 and above $1,000 home uh, is a really significant increase year on year. And so that's driving our average price to go way up as well, um, even outpacing uh, the median price point, which is interesting. And it's also worth noting here, again, the uh, percentage of list price uh, received, which is a bit of a, de- uh, of a deceiving number because it doesn't account for 
times that the price has been dropped, it doesn't account for seller concessions, such as if the seller pays for a warranty for the buyer or if the seller uh, pays for buyer's closing costs, things like that. Um, but that being said, tracking it over time can be helpful. And tracking it over time, again, a new record. This is the highest it's ever been since GGAR has tracked it, 98.7%. So if a home is on the market, uh, generally speaking, if it's if it's priced correctly, let me say it that way, if it's priced correctly and you don't account for seller concessions, uh, the seller will get roughly... 98.7% of what they have it listed for. Um, so that's a great, again, a great number if you're a seller. That's a record for the upstate, for the Greenville Association of Realtors. Um, if you're a buyer, you have to be aggressive. This is not the time to say, you know what? I, I want the seller to, to give me this. I want the seller to give me that. Mm-mm. No, no, no. This is not the market to do that. The buyer has very little leverage. Obviously, um, if you're not in a situation, in a position of desperation, then yeah, try to try to get what's best for you um, and, and maybe hold out and put in a few offers until one is accepted. But if, you're, if you find a house you really like and you really want to get that house, you've got to come in hot and heavy with that offer. Um, I, I, true story, I... Had a house that I had listed earlier this year, and we had to take it down from the market for a variety of things for a variety of reasons. And um, I just relisted it this past week. Um, when I listed it the first go around several months ago, which was right around the time of COVID, um, like right around when COVID was first beginning, um, we had decent bit of activity, a great house, decent bit of activity, and you know a few offers that weren't that great. One of them um, that was uh, eventually within about $5,000 of what we had it listed for, uh, $5,000 uh, lower than what we had it listed for. And at that point, when we went under contract with that offer. That was by far the best offer that, that we received. This go around, um, and of course, that contract fell through, and, the, and then we had to take it off the market for a little bit. This go around having it listed, um, we had multiple full price offers on the home. Uh, so that was a very interesting, uh, a tale of two markets, just how much the market has shifted. People were, when that home went on the market, people were going crazy. My phone was lighting up. I, I had to work through the holiday weekend with Labor Day. I worked Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. I mean, I, I didn't get a single day off uh, Labor Day weekend. It was crazy. Um, but that's the way the market is right now. And uh, sellers are getting, if again, if the home is priced correctly, sellers are getting basically what they're asking for right now. Um, again, you have to hedge that a little bit because this doesn't account for closing costs being paid. Uh, but generally speaking, that's what's happening. Um, so we talked a few weeks ago about housing affordability. And I'm sure that you probably figured out from all of this that none of these numbers are very good for housing affordability. I discussed uh, in my episode a couple of weeks ago the housing affordability crisis that we were right on the precipice of falling off the housing affordability edge. And unfortunately, in August, that is exactly what happened. So here is what the numbers say about August. We finally 
went down below 100 in the Housing Affordability Index, sitting at 99. What does that mean? That means that, uh, well, let me let me define the Housing Affordability Index uh, straight off the GGAR page here. It says the index measures housing affordability for the region. For example, an index of 120 means the median household income is 120% of what is necessary to qualify for the median priced home under prevailing interest rates. A higher number means greater affordability. So there's a lot that goes into this calculation that I don't get to see. So I don't know, you know, 100% uh, where, you know, how they're determining all, all of these numbers. But basically, we're now at the point where the median household is not able to afford the median priced home. We're at 99%. So 100% would mean that, you know, basically um, the, the median household makes just enough, just enough income in order to afford the median priced home. We're at 99%. That means that uh, it's just not enough uh, on average or, or, or based on medians. So housing affordability is going squarely in the wrong direction. We have, again, another record we have never had uh, in Greenville this number go below 100. It's never even uh, uh, prior to, uh, really prior to 2019, it had never even come close. 2019, it kind of came close uh, in around the the June pe- time period. Um, but here we are. Um, this is... Perhaps the new normal. I'm I'm not sure. We we discussed this. I'm not gonna hash through all that because we did discuss this a few weeks ago. If you're curious, go back and listen to the housing affordability episode. Um, but uh, this is just something that we need to be prepared to understand is that uh, middle class families now are gonna be probably driven out. Uh, start to be driven out into newer neighborhoods. And by, by newer, I mean uh, less familiar neighborhoods, I should say. Um, whereas they've been, you know, kind of focused on some of these different school districts, you know, like Riverside, for instance, where I live. Um, they're probably going to have to, or, or maybe like Brushy Creek or whatever the case may be, they're going to have to start probably pushing out into some other areas that are less expensive but also less desirable. And that's just the reality of the situation when housing affordability gets to the point that it's at. So here we are. We've got uh, maybe some more questions than answers. The data kind of confirms uh, what what we already knew, but it may be alluding to the fact that maybe this market is starting to flip. If if buyers are dropping out, if there are going to be fewer closings coming up here in the future months, then we will see an increase in inventory. It'll still be a lot lower than last year. Um, but we will see that happen potentially if these numbers are accurate for, for August. And at that point, maybe it'll shift a little bit in the buyer's favor, which wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Um, I represent a lot of buyer clients and it has been a frustrating time. I mean, every single offer multiple offer situations every single time every single time um and nothing comes easy uh in in this market right now 
And so we'll just have to keep monitoring this and keep seeing what exactly is going to happen, whether as the school situations kind of get more figured out, if people come back into the market. I'm, I'm very curious if we're going to have a, uh, a very slow fall season as it looks, or if I think that there's also the possibility that we have a rebound fall season as people are like, oh, you know what, there's not a second wave happening. Uh, of COVID or, oh, you know, now my school went to, to five days, you know, in the classroom, whatever the case may be, if people, uh, if their fears are alleviated or whatever it is that's causing them to not move are alleviated, that maybe we'll have an, an unusual uptick in the fall. I think that that's possible. Obviously, that's, that's a, a very rose-colored glasses uh, type of situation. I'm not banking on that by any means. Uh, but there are several different scenarios that could play out uh, but up to this point, the scenarios are uh, mostly geared towards the fact that it's still a seller's market. There's not a lot to buy out there, and there are a lot of people looking to buy. And so we'll have to keep monitoring that, and uh, we'll talk about that again next month. But I hope you guys are doing great. I look forward to talk to you guys again next week. But until then, stay safe. Stay in the market. Don't drop out. Don't be one of those statistics that drops out. I want to help you guys buy or sell a house. But stay safe, and we'll talk next time.